Hi there, beautiful phantoms who are listening across the universe. Oh, you beautiful phantoms. You're so beautiful. We are two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And now it's your turn to say that we are the hosts. No, you have to say sponsored by. Oh, fuck. <laughs> See, this is what See, happens I when we it. don't record for a while. We recorded last week. We recorded last week, and literally in the recording, Corinne, you says, "Wow, you say, wow, we're so good at this. I feel like we know how to do this. And I said, we are literally going to mess up next time. And here we are. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> I've predicted um, the future. <laughs> <laughs> and we are your ghostesses. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that is Corinne. Hi. And I am Sabrina. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, did you watch Blind Spot last week? Of course, because we had a little two girls, one ghost Easter egg. Sabrina, you're credited with. You put it up there. I have to credit my coworkers because one day in the room we were just talking and someone was like, Why don't we why don't why don't we have one of our actors hold a two girls one ghost mug? And I was like, That's a great idea. And then I kind of thought like, oh, but you know, like that's not gonna happen. They won't and do next- it or they'll cut it. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's on television and Rich.com drinks out of a Two Girls, One Goes coffee mug. And we have had people reach out to us and say, I found your podcast because of Rich.com drinking your mug. I had to find out what that was. People were Googling it. They're like, this looks weird. Um, My dad actually, I didn't even tell my family. And my dad texted it to our group chat and was like, this is the coolest thing. Wait, your dad watches Blindspot? I think he saw you posted it on Instagram Uh and he follows us. (laughs) <laughs> i was gonna say that's great that's wonderful <laughs> but maybe he watches blind spot too i don't know he didn't specify exactly where he saw it my mom loves to watch the show and she texted me and was like really cool cameo from two girls one ghost mug but like usually when she watches the show she's very like oh that was a great episode what happened again oh <laughs> i'm like mom like compliment me and then like later ask me what happened not in the same sentence but it's cute she's trying she's being supportive yeah she is speaking of supportive we get so we have a p.o box which we only referenced i think like one time did we get something and we've gotten gifts and stuff and letters in the mail before especially around christmas but i haven't gone since before christmas and i finally went and we got a couple letters, and they're just the sweetest. We got a letter from oh. um, the Paranormal Chicks. They sent us one. We got a little note from Brianna and Sabrina. You'll like this. Oh, my gosh. We got a, a Christmas card <gasps> from Carrie and the three cats, and they're on the Christmas card in Santa oh hats. my gosh. Isn't it the cutest? That is the cutest thing in the world. Oh, Carrie, Dipper, Pumpkin, and what's the last one? Riley. Riley. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This was so fun opening them and reading, like, the little letters. And I feel oh, like I, I love probably that. should have mentioned all the other times we've gotten stuff, too. But this made my week. Oh, that's so cute. So that was cute. such a surprise to me. I had no idea that we had anything. Yeah, I saved it until now. Oh, I love that. That makes me so happy. Um, we also got a letter from, uh, if you remember, we donated to two uh, nonprofits in Halloween, like the month of October. That's going to be a thing. October is going to be our donation month. Yes. And so we got a letter, a thank you letter from Old Dog Haven. <gasps> and 
I'll send a picture of it when I get home because it's at home. But it, it was like a thank you like for your podcast and all your fans for donating to this nonprofit. Like we had no idea even people even knew we existed. And then it has like pictures of little old dogs. It's oh, so my gosh. Cute. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're I'm, so cute. Oh, I'm like needing a dog so badly. The best thing I did – well, I was about to say the best thing I did in L.A., but we did our live show, so that would not be <laughs> – but it was up there. Playa Vista, one of the restaurants over there, hosted a little like doggy adoption day. Did I already talk about this? I don't no, know. I don't think so. But they had a bunch of little tiny dogs up for adoption and you could hold them and they were so sweet and they were all wearing their little like adoption sweaters like you can adopt me. And then they had free hair braiding. So I got like some sick braids Fine. and then they had free alcohol. So I got some like kombucha tequila drink. It was the best what? day ever. They gave me alcohol. They braided and did my hair to make me look like a Pinterest model and let me hold dogs who were just kissing me the whole time. We were there for like three hours, four hours. <laughs> That sounds like the dream. Well, it was but with cat. Yeah, if I weren't with you that day, we you I'm sure would have gone to the cat cafe. Make Nick <laughs> go to the cat cafe. Valentine's Day. <gasps> Nick, it's coming he up. Listen. I'm going to You know to what tell I'm him. doing on Valentine's Day? What are you doing? I'm getting my hair cut. Nice. And the person when I made the appointment, the person was like, "But that's Valentine's Day." And I said, "Okay, works for me." Valentine's Day is the day to treat yourself more than anything because you love yeah. yourself more than you love anyone else and you should and I know that's not always easy but you know what Fine. Valentine's Day isn't about romance and love it's a money making ploy for the government and it's a conspiracy that I am not on board with because it's like New Year's Eve to me those are the two holidays that are yes. so overrated my well, favorite Valentine's Day was when my friend who I'm going to stay with in New York when I go in a few weeks for Blind Spot. But her and I in high school, it was just the two of us. We ordered a pizza and we ate the entire pizza, just us two, in our pajamas and watched like horrible romantic comedies. It was the best. That sounds so great. Yeah. I think I don't like Valentine's Day because I've never been given flowers by a suitor. And I always say I will know when the person is the one when I receive my favorite flower, peonies, <laughs> and then they write a little note, and inside the note it says, do you like my peonies? <laughs> and then I'll know I'm in love. I like that it's in the Borat voice. Well, because you have to make it sound a little perverted. Can I tell you my worst nightmare, Valentine's? Yeah. So I was in sixth grade. This is, like, really heartbreaking. Even, like, thinking about it makes my heart race. But so I was in sixth grade and I had the biggest crush on this guy. His name was Dylan. His locker was like right over like diagonal from mine. He was a big soccer player. And keep in mind, I'm like super awkward. I like wore wicked t-shirts, the musical t-shirts, and I didn't brush my hair and I didn't know what style was. I was, you know, I was in middle school and I had the biggest crush on Dylan. And so I one day was with a friend and my friend was like, just ask him out. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be, I, who needs a guy to ask you out? I'm going to ask him out. So I asked him out. You were so progressive, Sabrina. Well, this isn't, this ends poorly. So I never did that again. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but so he, he like, obviously I put him on the spot and he was like, uh, okay. And so I was like, yeah, you're my boyfriend. Cause that's sixth grade. And he, so then it was like around Valentine's day and 
it was on Valentine's Day, and I, like, we should, like, yeah, like I said, our lockers were right next to each other, and he sees me, and he hands me, and I had made a big deal about this. Like, my mom and I went to CVS, and we picked out, like, a cute Valentine's Day, like, toy, like, you know, like, one of those, like, chocolate bears, and then, like, with a bunch of chocolate, and I wrote him a cute card, and I was, like, super happy and excited, and so I went to school on valentine's day and i gave it to him and he handed me these two stuffed animals and was like happy valentine's day and then like turned around and like left and went to class and then i was in gym class and all these girls start making fun of me and they're like you know like dylan doesn't actually like you like he feels bad for you he he found those stuffed animals in the in his brother's closet and like gave them to you because he felt bad that's so mean girl yeah, and so and if Dylan he didn't and I actually broke up. like you, he wouldn't have brought anything at all. I was going to no, say at least he remembered to bring something. Well, he didn't like me at all. He actually liked my sister, and he was only dating me to get to my older sister. It was in eighth grade. <sighs> Middle school is tough. It was it's horrible. <laughs> Sabrina, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it built character. I'm fine. Well, now you have Nick, and you have many, many, many good Valentine's Days. Yeah, yes, we do. The last valentine's day i think i had was with my seventh grade boyfriend dan i think that's the last time i had a valentine's day it was actually fun it was i mean we were in seventh grade so like our our moms were like chaperoning oh cute and we traded gifts and he got me i still have his gift really pretty heart-shaped stone and wrote me a letter and then i got him his mom had like joked about I shouldn't give all this info about him. But basically, there was just like a little joke about, you know, having fibrous cereal. And so <laughs> I got him a box of bran flakes and I wrote like a little love letter on it. Oh, my gosh. That is so cute. Oh, my gosh. When I when Nick and I first started dating our very first Valentine's Day, I sent him on a scavenger hunt. And at each place I had an ice. And then I, while he was on the scavenger hunt, I was at his apartment or at his house college house making dinner and so by the time he got to (laughs) he got to dinner he was drunk because i had iced him like four times (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait for your wedding because i just know there's gonna be hidden ices everywhere everywhere i was thinking about this the other day instead of like hiding it because that's what everyone expects what if i have a waiter just on platters like i have ices for every single person at the wedding and a waiters just come out with ices and put them in front of everyone sabrina that's such a good idea like that would be i mean you're the ice queen that's gonna be your costume next year exactly potentially this week's episode was picked by our patreon donor frankie and he said hey girls I'm super excited because my birthday is on the 20th, and I'd love to hear. So, happy birthday, Frankie. Happy birthday, Frankie. To you. And he said, if possible, I'd love to hear an episode on dark mirrors, a.k.a. scrying mirrors. Which goes well with talking about love because the OG scrying mirror is like Bloody Mary. And Bloody Mary was actually an original. Like, the OG thing of it was that you would look in a mirror and you would see your future husband's face in it. And over time, it evolved. We talked about it in the Bloody Mary episode. It was just so long ago, I forget everything. (laughs) I know. I love when people start our podcast from the beginning, and then they tell us, like, about episodes from the beginning that freak them out. I'm like, damn, what do we even talk about? How do you know this? Who said that? And from all of this, I've learned that scrying is scary, and I don't want to do it. 
So scrying mirrors, well, I don't know if you included what they are as part of your story, so I don't want to steal that away from you. Well, we'll do it together. Teamwork. All right. Well, just jump in if ever you feel the need. Cool. So scrying mirrors or dark mirrors, they're essentially the same thing as a crystal ball. It's Mm -hmm. a framed mirror, and the mirror has some sort of dark coating on it that makes it look almost black. And the mirror is used by mediums similar to the crystal ball where they would look at it and they'd see visions they'd speak to the dead they'd use it in certain rituals to help aid them communicate with the dead or do whatever they need to do and it's often used by people who practice in the occult um, as well as people who practice fortune telling and it's been practiced in many cultures for ages it's been around for a really long time and it it's crying is based on the belief that you can that it can reveal the past, present, or future. And so mm-hmm. by looking into this surface, they are able to communicate with the spirits, whether they're angels or demons, good or bad spirits, and learn about the past, present, and future. And scrying's been around, like you said, for a long time, and it started somewhere. There's evidence that it started somewhere in the 10th century, but it could have been before then. But it regained popularity more recently. And even Joseph Smith, the guy who from like mormonism the book of mormon Mm -hmm. he utilized scrying not with the mirror but he chose stones as his reflective surface Mm -hmm. and basically claimed that the stones allowed him to translate the golden plates so scrying's Uh. not only with mirrors or crystal balls but people can use uh you know bowls of water reflective stones reflective surfaces just anything like that well, because I was looking up and they said that there's a form of scrying for each element. So earth, air, water, and fire. And you can scry in any element related to those. So like there's one thing called cloud scrying, which was used by the Celtic Druids. And they would look for specific shapes in the clouds, which would allow them to form and give spiritual images for insight in battles or sp- spiritual rituals or the future of the harvest. Mm-hmm. And then same with fire scrying, like you can look into the flame of a candle. And all of it really just requires you to like hyper-focus on said surface where your subconscious disappears. That's almost, it reminds me of meditation, which is a difficult thing to do. Or hypnosis a little bit too. Right, yeah. Did I tell you that I tried meditation the first time the other day? For the first time? Yeah, but my legs kept falling asleep, so I wasn't good at it. <laughs> I feel like, well, you've done yoga, which is a form of meditation. Yeah, yeah. But I don't like truly try to zen out and lose all of my thoughts and just focus on my breathing. I definitely let my mind wander a bit during yoga. Yoga almost like pumps me up. Like at the end, I feel super relaxed. But during the actual yoga, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting so strong. If someone tried to come (laughs) at me like these long lean muscles, I'd just slap them with them. Most of my workouts are self-defense for future (laughs) self-defense. So you didn't like meditation? Well, just because my legs kept falling asleep it was hard for me to like truly focus and get into it but in the beginning before the sleepy legs i enjoyed it before you tell us about your thing i just looked into we've obviously we are afraid of mirrors we've said it before mirrors are scary and like we avoid them everyone i feel like everyone avoids looking into them late at night when they get up to go to the bathroom and wash their hands like they just have this scary element and i looked into like these beliefs about mirrors that have been around for hundreds of years. And the most common one is that it's a mirrors are portals, which is part of scrying. Like the reason yes. that things can come through is because they're portals to another world. And there have been beliefs that mirrors have the ability to suck out your soul 
and um, to avoid this, mirrors were removed from a room wherever an ill or dying person was about to die because they thought they were more vulnerable to have their soul sucked into this portal if they were dying. Which is really interesting because in other cultures, they actually set up mirrors to capture the souls to ensure that their loved one or a relative or whoever would not have their soul be left wandering the earth. It was like to keep them in a safe place. I personally have had sort of three experiences with mirrors. Really? Yes, I've told them to you, but without me categorizing them as mirror experiences, (laughs) maybe you just Uh don't remember. So there's one mirror in my house that I had two of the experiences in. It's located in my kitchen. And it's at an angle where it faces, it shows you the reflection of like a corner of the kitchen in between like the, the corner, like L shape yeah. and the island. Uh-huh. Twice when I was standing there, I saw someone walking behind me. Nope. Like when I looked in the mirror, I saw someone walking behind me. But it's like this tiny little narrow space. So no one was there. I don't like that. That means they were yes. very close to you or maybe they were inside the mirror in the portal. Very, very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. And then the other thing was something, I mean, I don't have confirmation, but remember how I was saying like in middle school when I was bullied, this woman would kind of show up in my room and I felt like she was a protective, like even though her appearance was a little more scary because she was like a tall, strong woman and she had like really long, dark hair and like dark draping clothing. What if she was your hormone monster? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Sabrina, I think it might have been. <laughs> yeah, she would always come. She like was totally a comforting presence, so I was never scared. But she would always, whenever I'd see her, she'd be coming from the corner that had my mirror, my full-length mirror in my room. So I felt Ugh. like she was kind of coming from the mirror. The other thing they said was that leaving mirrors in a place for a long time is believed to open it up to being a portal. So like they say, to avoid that, you're supposed to move mirrors around and change their placement do you think when you go into public restrooms and they don't have mirrors it's because something happened <laughs> maybe or are they just cheap maybe a little bit of both a little depends bit where you are gas station bathroom versus bar bathroom i mean there's been some bars that i've gone into and they don't have mirrors it's probably best that you don't see what you look like at a bar that's true and half the time i forget to look at myself anyway I'll leave and then I'll be like, wait, I was meaning to see if I had anything in my teeth, but I didn't even glance up at myself. I'm so trained to not look into the mirror. I know. It's so scary. Okay. Okay, So what did you pick? All right. This is the story of the dark mirror. It already sounds scary. (laughs) Uh, One person, well, this, this woman, she went to a psychic fair in Columbus, Ohio, and she purchased a scrying mirror. Her daughter, I believe, was with her at the time of her purchase, and she had an adult daughter. She was a little bit older. And after bringing the mirror home, this woman, the owner, the new owner of the scrying mirror, had just awful, awful visions whenever she looked into the reflection of the mirror, and she would feel super drained afterwards. And the daughter of this woman noted that her mom became increasingly distant after purchasing the mirror. And so she called her mom frequently to check in on her and her mom would just talk about these like dark and negative things. And her daughter became pretty suspicious of the mirror and of her mom's use of the mirror. But her mom was like, no, I insist that there's nothing wrong with the mirror. Don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. Nothing 
nothing will happen. Like, don't worry about it. So the daughter became pretty suspicious of the mirror, noting that the change like was all happening pretty quickly and that it was definitely once the mirror was in possession of her or her mother was in possession of the mirror, whichever way goes both ways. One possesses the other. So she was asking her mom about the mirror and her mom insisted that it wasn't the mirror and that every single time that her mom tried to use the mirror, that nothing would happen. It didn't work. La-di-da. But the daughter was like, okay, I'm not buying it. And so she said she's coming over and she's going to take a look at the mirror herself. And her mom was very concerned, very reluctant, didn't really want to give the daughter the mirror, but eventually went to the closet and got it out and took the black cloth off of it. And the daughter was like, okay, wait, you said nothing was wrong with the mirror. So why are you covering it and hiding it in a closet? Uh. I'm already getting chills because I just know what's coming. <laughs> and the mom started crying and she admitted that the mirror was super evil. And so the daughter was like, I'm going to be a great daughter. I'm not going to let you deal with this. Like, I see the change in you and how much this is affecting you and draining you. So I'm going to fix the problem. Wow. So she grabs the mirror. She covers it. She stuffs it into a box and she takes it out of her mom's home, relieving her of any of that stress. And also probably to stop her mom from using the mirror because I think there's some sort of like temptation and lure to use it as well. That's so scary. She didn't really want to take any chances. The daughter didn't. And she had already said that she felt a bit uneasy around the mirror. So she pretty much immediately called the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult, which is the same (gasps) museum that owns the Crone of Catskills. We don't like that. They have the scariest stuff there. Damn. So the museum owners, they hear the backstory and they're like, okay, yeah, sure, we will take this mirror. And they take a quick peek in the reflection, don't see anything, and then they just put it up on their mantle with the covering. So with the covering. Okay, that's good. I, th- I believe with the covering initially. And so if you listened, if anyone listened to what, – what episode was that? Did we do – was it Haunted Artifacts? Was that the yeah, yeah. topic? Yeah, you did Crown of Catskills and I did the book box. Yes. Okay. So those are the two we covered in that episode. And if you listen to that episode, you'll know that this museum is run by a husband and wife. Their names are Greg and Dana. And they basically store the items in their own personal home for the majority of the time. And Mm -hmm. then a couple times a month, they'll go and they'll travel to different locations and different paranormal events. And they'll bring certain artifacts from their home with them to showcase at that particular particular event right so the first event that the black mirror was taken to was the Perryville battlefield and they kept the black veil over it and they told all the patrons its story and at the very end they offered to unveil it if anyone wanted to take a closer look or just touch it or there was like a private um i think they usually always have some sort of like private room if someone wants to see if something happens when they're just alone alone heighten your experience it seems so dangerous to offer that when they themselves didn't understand its power you know like at least with the cone of cat skills they had their fair share of experiences with it where they Mm -hmm. were like okay i understand that this is like a very haunted item but they looked into it and didn't see anything so like they didn't understand what it was right and they actually said a lot of the items that they have some of the scariest parts of those items are just the backstory that like mm. sometimes nothing happens at all like the, at least that they see 
They right. just know the, the story behind it and other people's maybe experiences. It's targeting a specific person and now right. that it's not in their hands. Yeah. Well, anyway, so they offered this up for people to look at. And one woman agreed and she was handed the unveiled, the unmasked mirror. And about 30 seconds into her gazing into the black reflection of the dark mirror, her facial expression just turned to extreme fear. And she quickly put the mirror face down. And this woman was actually the one credited with giving the mirror its name, its nickname, the dark mirror, because she said, after after looking and shoving the mirror away from her, she said, I saw my own decomposing corpse looking back (gasps) at me. That's a dark mirror. I should not have done that. I need to go say a prayer. Excuse me. Her decomposing corpse. Yes, she saw her own decomposing corpse looking back at her. Whoa. And so after this, most of the patrons at the event were like, we're not looking into that mirror. Hell no. But still, some people were like, I'm down for the thrill. I need to see it for myself to believe it. I was going to say, I feel like you hear that and a lot of people would be like, oh, I need to see it for myself. I need to see. I don't believe her. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's what people did. A lot of people, people who gazed into the mirror, they felt filled with negativity and with dread. Some people saw strange visions and distorted faces. Um, Another woman, she had a pretty unsettling experience, which was similar to the first woman. She saw her corpse along with other disturbing visions, but I guess they were so bad that she refused to tell anyone. She wouldn't repeat exactly what she saw. Oh, I wonder if it's like her family members... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. But so she she ended up pressing her palm into the mirror. I don't know exactly what prompted her to do it or if it was kind of like shoving it away from her or like stopping herself from seeing the vision. Oh, no. But then when she pulled her palm off, she was like, oh, crap, I left a mark. And so she grabbed something to wipe off her palm print. But the print would not leave the mirror. <gasps> it was like it was stained on. And so she started freaking oh, no. out. She was like, this is somehow going to hold on to me and yeah. like keep me. It marked me. So she keeps trying to wipe it away, trying to wipe it away. And she spent a very long time with the mirror trying to wipe it. As everyone else is like watching or milling about and, you know, seeing all the other haunted artifacts. Casual. And then eventually she just panics and she's like, I'm going to smash this mirror. <gasps> and as soon as she made the threat, the palm mark just choop, faded away. No way. Yeah, the mirror was saving itself. I wonder what the mirror was intending to do because it does not sound good. I know. I know. I don't know. But so that was the first event that it was brought to. And from that event, it gained an official name, the Dark Mirror, and a rather large reputation. And upon returning home, Dana and Greg, the two museum owners, uh, they put the mirror back onto their mantle, which is in their living room, and they covered it with a veil. And they didn't think too much of it at first, but Greg did start to notice that he was feeling a little bit off. He said he'd spend a lot of time throughout the day just kind of like looking into dark surfaces, like almost feeling urged to do so. And he also started staring off into space a lot. And then when he would kind of come to and he'd snap back into it, he would notice that every time he was staring off into space, that he was actually looking in the direction of the mirror. It's total hypnosis. Yeah. And like it was covered. So even with it being covered, the dark mirror has some sort of power over people. That's wild. 
so unsettling. Yeah. But Greg and Dana were like, let's keep bringing it on our travels (laughs) with us. So they head over to Penhurst Asylum for a paranormal event. And this time That just sounds like a bad combo. Such a bad combo, but also I really, (laughs) really, really want to go to one of their events. I don't think you want to go if the Corona of Cat Skill is going to be there because I think it's clear you do not need to be around that thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish we knew what artifacts they would bring. Yeah. Maybe we can call them. Because there are certain ones that, I mean, I don't think I wouldn't touch them. I would just want to, like, look at them. Like, I saw one event that's coming up that they're doing, that they're attending, and Robert the Doll is going to be there. (gasps) No way. And I was thinking, how many people are going to photograph him without asking permission? I wonder. Probably a lot of people. Okay, so... They go to the Penhurst Asylum for a paranormal event and they bring out the black or the I keep saying black mirror because of Netflix. (laughs) They bring out the dark mirror and the people who felt the dark mirror like held it said that they felt sort of like an electrical pulse, an electrical current running through them as they held it. Uh, A lot of people got headaches. And this is so gross. One person felt the sensation of their mouth filling up with blood and like the taste of the iron like the pennies in their mouth <gasps> what if that's and, like, how they're gonna die felt like it was filling <gasps> sabrina i don't know Well, it just seems like this thing is connected to death and like it's it's trying to show you death in your death i think it's trying to feed off of fear to elicit fear yeah but maybe if it tells the past present and future if scrying if that's what it does like maybe it does know how you're gonna die and it knows that that is a fearful thought an image and so here you go let's show you how you're gonna die and what you'll look like and how it's gonna feel perhaps do you think that mirrors are because so many haunted artifacts are possessed and controlled by spirits and oftentimes demonic entities or darker creatures do you think mirrors are also possessed by these dark entities or do you think that there's some sort of thing entirely different that sort of monitors mirrors like they're they're their own being i don't know i really don't i mean because it's kind of specific right well like i i wonder if one dark entity because it's clear clear that something dark is attached to this mirror but if it is a portal if you think of these dark mirrors as portals this entity found this portal and was like this is my portal and so it is the gatekeeper of said portal and then Mm -hmm. is in charge of that one and i mean my question is like why it's crazy to me i imagine taking a portal like object like that and bringing it to another haunted facility would then take the souls from that haunted facility and pull them into their portal like he's collecting souls or like collecting energy, which I'll go into in okay. a little bit. But anyway, so this person had their mouth fill up with blood. Well, mm. not really, but that that was the sensation that they felt. Right. Uh, and then another person who claimed to be a skeptic but enjoyed just like listening and attending these events, they wanted to take a look at the mirror <laughs> because they were like, mm, I don't believe it. Right. But then this woman became very, very nervous in only a few seconds. And she said she saw her own reflection, but that her mouth moved and whispered to her. And she was like, I don't think I moved my mouth. And everyone around her was like, yeah, you didn't move your mouth. We were watching you. 
What did so she her say? reflection was almost, I, I don't know what the words were or <gasps> if there was like any intelligible speech. I but kill you. Yes, probably. Oh, Other people gosh. saw their reflection wink or even disappear. That is horrifying. I know. I, my body's like full chills. My hair is just standing up. It won't. <laughs> it won't my go down. chill has just been lasting five minutes. <laughs> have you watched the show Requiem on Netflix yet? No. I have so many shows in my queue. Because this this topic just reminds me of that show. Well, that and also Harry Potter, and I'll get to that in my story. But but it I almost talked a lot about Harry Potter, and then I was like, I can't because I'm not going to know the right terms. And then, <laughs> <sighs> but I bet. But yeah, that show Requiem is. It's all about mirrors and weird paranormal stuff. It, it's really this is what I mean. This is it had to be inspired by this. Yeah, it must. Or, yeah, something similar. If not this specific mirror, then just the process of, like, participating in scrying, you would think. scary. So, anyway, the dark mirror seems to have an MO, and people believe that its MO, the specific mirror, will show the viewer, the gazer, a slightly distorted version of themselves. And it just elicits fear it plays off interaction and off fear and greg and dana don't think that it's necessarily a haunted object in the traditional sense but instead that it's basically like just this object that is sort of manipulating Hmm. people to almost charge itself with energy which is creepy interesting don't you think i mean who am i to say but it to me it seems like something entity-wise would need would be the thing trying to su- suck energy rather than the object itself. Right. So it might be whatever's attached to the mirror is trying to suck other people's right. energy. Suck and their energy. Something dark. So at one of these events, this manly man, he comes up and he wants to give it a whirl, wants to hold the dark mirror and see what he sees. So he's gazing into this mirror and he's holding it at an arm's length. And suddenly it's a very visceral reaction and he tries to actually step away and like move away from the mirror, hold it further from himself. And when they were like, oh my gosh, what happened? He said that he saw himself, but then he saw another image of himself, an exact replica mm. of himself peer out from behind his own reflection and then turned and like walked away, disappeared. So it's, yeah, it's like a doppelganger. Whoa. So creepy. And then there's just a million stories. And like they said, like hundreds of people have like touched it and had some sort of experience at least around it. So there's a million examples, but I'm just telling you a few that they, Greg and Dana themselves have talked about. Yeah. But another woman wanted to see what would happen if she went into the room where you get to be alone with the object. I don't understand that. I would never do that. I don't either. Like, heck no. I need witnesses. I need people around. Yeah. I need to get up and run and be able to be in someone's arms in two seconds. What if it sucks you into the mirror and you think you went back into the real world, but you're actually in this other world? Okay, well, now this is all haunting in the Hill House. (laughs) Anyway, she goes into this room and she's in there for like 30 minutes. And she said that when she was in the room, she knew that she was the only person in the room. But what was interesting was that the mirror didn't just show other people within the mirror 
somehow it manipulated the space and she was watching people other people just like kind of milling about and walking through the room that she was sitting in the room she knew she was alone in with the mirror so it's almost like not not only is it feeding off of people's fears but it's also trying to basically make the viewer think that they themselves are going a little mad oh it distorts reality that's so weird Then Greg and Dana bring the mirror to Ohio State Reformatory. No. Three different people all saw themselves age 40 years when looking into the mirror. And other people saw a black mass hovering sort of like behind slash above their shoulder. So a lot of similarities between what people see, but there's a a wide variation as well. I would much rather see myself 40 years from now than rotting as a corpse. Because at least then you know, like, hey, I... Either A, don't look so bad in 40 years, or B, wow, I look horrible. I'm going to start getting Botox now. I'd rather see myself as a rotting corpse than see myself whisper or wink. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right? The winking and the whispering is so creepy. No. Because there's that element of doppelganger. Yes. It's, It's like, it's not just like a distorted image of you like when you're at like a fun house looking in a fun house mirror which is like the dark version of seeing your corpse rotting corpse it's something different it's like you're completely out of control of what happens there's also an element of like multiple parallel universes because it's like what if in another universe that like because doppelgangers I think brings up the discussion of parallel universes and other dimensions because if it is a portal to another dimension, what if that's your other you looking back at you in the mirror? Well, I would tell myself, don't be so freaking creepy. <laughs> like, what if it's like the creepy? Por- what if it's the creepy like universe that? where that's there are zombies? Creep town, Halloween town, creep town. Yeah, there- everyone's yeah, a serial perhaps. killer. Everyone kills people. It's the purge. We wouldn't have a population problem if everyone was a serial killer. We would have another problem. (laughs) Trade one problem for another. (laughs) Okay, but Greg and Dana, they're like, whoa, this is really something, ain't it? This mirror is legit. This is haunted. Let's put this scary ass thing right back in our living room. Until (laughs) next time. (laughs) Good call. There, there's some brave people. I mean, even thinking back to the Crown of Catskills, like that, just how how much patience they have and how much has to happen before they really feel like they're at wit's end. <laughs> it's crazy. Are they the new Ed and Lorraine Warren? Kind they of. They might be. Their threshold is like up there. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's impressive. I could. N- I would never. No. Could never and would never nope. be able to do do that. Definitely not. So they go to bed, they put it back up on the shelf, and they go to bed that night, and they're tired, and they fall asleep, and they're like, all is right in the world, what a great event, so successful, good job. (laughs) And then in the morning, they wake up, and Greg notices that the black cloth that he had covered the mirror with the night before was on the floor, and that the two cats that they have were both sitting together on the couch, which they never do. And they were looking over, they were like doing the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and looking at something, something that was seemingly moving right in front of or like around the dark mirror. 
No. And so Greg walked over to the mirror and he grabbed it and the cats sprinted away and hid. And so he was like, this is curious because they were just somewhat interacting with the mirror. I wonder why they're so nervous now that it's being moved. So he starts, I guess, walking towards the cats and he realized that the cats would not go anywhere near the mirror. Even though they'd gazed at it, they would run and hide away from the mirror if it was moved any bit closer to them. Oh, trust your pets. Trust your pets. So Greg, he puts the black cloth back on the mirror and he's like, okay, maybe the cats are being weird or maybe they can see something that I can't. Either way, most likely I just poorly covered the mirror the night before because I was so tired. But then the next day they wake up and the mirror is uncovered again. Mm -hmm. And the day after that, it's uncovered. And the day after that, it's uncovered. And so each day the black cloth would be wrapped around the mirror during the day and each night the mirror would seemingly purge itself of this covering so greg and dana were like let's set up a camera and catch it <laughs> i do like that they do that because i did yeah, that with the chrono cat skills too right and they have i believe they have if i'm remembering correctly a feed it might be 24 7 or i don't know how long but basically they put artifacts in front of this feed and anyone can log in and watch them i think uh, okay, but they do this. They set up the camera and they point it right at the mirror. And every single morning, the SD card is wiped. It's as if there was nothing taken, as if they never p- pressed record. There's nothing on the no SD card. way. But they keep trying. And then eventually, they go and they take the SD card out and they put it in their computer and it says corrupted file. <sighs> a corrupted card. So not only did they capture nothing, but their SD card was just like smashed. At this point, it's like, okay, this mirror is clearly getting stronger and stronger. Uh, Goodbye. Okay, here is another scary thing. The dark mirror apparently has some influence over other haunted artifacts that were kept in the home. Dana and Greg said that, and kind of like what I mentioned before, they're given a ton of haunted artifacts and sometimes they don't experience anything with these artifacts whatsoever. All they know is the backstory and that other people have experienced scary things. So most of them just sit there quietly and live their life. But once the dark mirror moved in, all of these items began, I guess, showing their true colors. It's kind of like, I like to picture it as like, they were all roommates and they were all getting along well. And then the dark mirror comes in and somehow triggers them all to be disgruntled and to to start reacting. That's wild. Yeah. There was a haunted painting that flung itself across the room. Further away from the mirror? Like, do you think it was trying to get away? Probably. Like, I've had enough because here's here's one that did get away. Uh, what, they can't find one of the dolls. The doll, I think, just got up and walked out. Or what if it had got sucked into the out. portal? What if it's in the other side of the mirror? <sighs> what if it didn't get away, but the mirror got it? Its little porcelain legs didn't no. run fast enough. Also... Greg and Dana haven't seen it happen, but they're like, we're pretty sure we can hear the Ouija board planchette that they have in a glass display scraping across the glass at night. No freaking way. I hate that more than anything. (gasps) And they're like, it's not normally something that acts up. So that's not okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it sounds like it's angering the other artifacts. If you have a doll walking itself out, then I I don't know. (laughs) maybe rethink things which is kind of what they did they wrapped up the mirror they put a rosary over it they locked it in a chest and they removed it from the main living space oh good 
And after they did that, they said that it seemed to appease the other haunted artifacts and that not much action happened. But they were also like, okay, well, here's another theory. Maybe it's not that the, the artifacts didn't like the dark mirror. Perhaps the dark mirror was sort of this like battery source. It was somehow sucking all of this energy from the hundreds of people touching it when they took it on tour and then was coming back and the other objects could feed off of this energy provided by the dark mirror and then they themselves could start acting up. I do not like that. Yeah, but it makes sense because like we said before, some of the beliefs with scrying mirrors are that they can steal energy and capture souls. So like you said, when they're going around just taking hundreds of souls, they're taking all of this energy and then they're like mass battery powering all the other haunted artifacts in the museum. That's terrifying. Yes. Uh, they brought the dark mirror to an interview that they did with Paramania Radio. So it was, I believe, a live broadcast, if not just a recorded broadcast. And far into the interview, one of the hosts of this radio show looked into the mirror and saw his face turn into a creepy, evil grin. Like, saw him him smiling. No. And so, I yeah. Hate it. So, like, you can hear... I. I went on the radio's website because I wanted to hear it or watch it. I think there was a video associated with it. And I wanted to, like, actually hear the audible reaction of the guy. But the website link was expired. But I'm sure the interview is somewhere on the internet. Or was it corrupted? Oh, my gosh. Wait, maybe. Now I need to go back <laughs> and look. Oh, God, that's so scary. Oh, scary. But I think the mirror is still being brought on tour with them. They said that they weren't going to stop because... While people experience some creepy and unsettling things and while it could potentially power other haunted artifacts, yeah. mm. no one's been possessed or had anything that's like so awful that they felt that it was unsafe to use. So, I mean, it might be a long con. We don't know. You never know. It does sound it, it does sound like it's playing the long game. Yeah. So that is the dark mirror. It reminds me of. Harry Potter reference, Mirror of Erised, which is the mirror in the very first book, where, but it's kind of the opposite, where people would look in and it would show them their deepest desires and wishes. Didn't Harry see his parents or his family? Yeah. And then Ron saw himself as like head of the house and holding the Quidditch cup, which is just, you know, speaks to their characters. They were in very different places in their life. I was just thinking thinking a farmhouse ranch with animals on it and it would be all light and bright and I have so much natural light and I'd be standing in an all white very comfy cotton outfit drinking some tea in the morning with my hair up in a bun and I would just be naturally beautiful without makeup <laughs> it's like 7 a.m and I've already gotten all of that done that is impressive yeah what would yours be when you look into the mirror what do you think you would see my first instinct was a bed but Really? I thought you were going to say that you were in, like, a massive old librarian. You were the head librarian. You know what? Thank you. This is why you're my mirror, because I clearly <laughs> don't know my deepest inner wishes, but you do. It's just your immediate wish for right now is to get some sleep. Cuddled by a fire with lots of cats surrounding oh, yes. me. Nick a giving fireplace. me a back massage. Okay, let's hear what you chose. So I chose to talk about a person who used scrying as a method his name Ooh. is 
John D. D-E-E, if you want to look him up in the future. And he was born on July 13th of 1527. And he was an English mathematician, astronomer, astrologer, and an occult philosopher. So like, which I find is so fascinating. I feel like today we have a clear divide between science and occult and like mystical research. Whereas Mm -hmm. in the 1500s, this was a common practice. It was like, how do these two work together? And John was like a big fan of both of them. And he was an avid researcher for both because he was like, these are connected and these can help by utilizing research from one can help research with the other. And he was super talented. Like even at the age of, in his early 20s, he was invited to do a lecture at the University of Paris. And mm-hmm. he also lived to be 81 years old, which in the 1500s is just sorcery in itself. <laughs> and to relate it to Harry Potter, he was along with Nicholas Flamel, he was very into the research of the philosopher's stone and looking into this precious stone which gave you life, long-lasting life. And some people say he may have founded it, found it, and that's why he lived to 81, but then he decided, you know what? I'm done. Anyway, he was fascinated by the divination and the dark side, and his last name uh, derives from the Celtic word do, which actually means black. So, like, he was born into it, you know? He was born into the darkness. Mm -hmm. And while he was studying sciences, he immersed himself into the world of sorcery, astrology, and hermetic philosophy, which I didn't know anything about hermetic philosophy, but it's basically the premise that there is one true theology and all religions are based upon it, but then also, like, humans have the ability to contact and have godlike powers. I feel like I'm in philosophy class. You what? I said, I feel like I'm in philosophy class. Yeah. I won't get into any of the principles because philosophy confused the hell out of me. But I like yeah, the premises. my worst subject. Same. Besides math. Same. <laughs> if you can believe it. I think my teacher just wanted to fail me because he didn't like me. Did we have the same teacher in college? Because mine hated me as well. Maybe. Did he have long hair? No, he had short hair, but he had very long legs. Not... <laughs> Short torso, long legs. Not my not my teacher. Maybe okay. it's a philosophy thing. Unproportionate bodies and hairs. <laughs> hairs. I meant I wow. meant them being mean and not liking us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so John was raised in a family where his dad was a member of the Henry VIII's royal court. And so in fifteen fifty one, after Henry VIII died, John was like, I'm kind of over all this school. Like, I know everything already. I kind of want to just spend more time looking into uh, the occult and the mystical powers of the universe. And so he approached uh, Henry VIII's successor, whose name was Edward VI. And he was 10 years old at the time, Edward VI. And so John goes to a 10-year-old king and says, hey, um... Will you pay for me to be part of your royal court and, like, basically give me money to study more of the things that I want to? And he was like, yeah, sure. So he was given pension. But then Edward died at 15 years old. So Wow, wait. So he died at 15. Can you imagine? I know. Being a – well, number one, passing away so young. But also, number two, having that sort of power as a king when you're, like, 10. He was – he died. It was very tragic. It was very sad. We're all very sad about it. Because, multiple things, because John D. was like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to have my pension. 
And also, he was really young, so that's sad. But also, the worst part is that Mary Tudor became the next queen in line. And she is the same Queen Mary that the ritual Bloody Mary is based off of because Mm -hmm. she was just ruthless and merciless. And she just killed and beheaded not only just people who worshipped in the Protestant faith, but also her family members who got in the way. I mean, she was a sociopath. There's no way any normal person in power could just rip through and murder people like that without having Mm -hmm. some sort of disconnect from like i don't know morals emotion basic human emotions (laughs) right right but i i mean it's also a different time it's the 1500s and if you're royalty there is this constant battle for power and everyone is threatening you and your family are the people who are trying to take the throne you know so like yeah everyone's an enemy yeah. So John didn't know that she was a crazy, bloody, batshit Mary. But so he approaches her and he's like, hey, I have a proposition. And Mary's like, okay. And so he becomes Queen Mary's astrologer. Ooh, but, I want, we need one. Yeah, yeah. But then her cousin, Queen Mary's cousin Elizabeth, who was a Protestant, so Mary did not like her, uh, went to John and asked, basically was like, hey, Mary is clearly off the rails she's killing everyone Mm. can you give me a reading into the future and john apparently read her horoscope and also gave her a reading that said when queen mary would die and queen mary had little spies and so he used scrying for this reading so he's like Mm -hmm. speaking to his paranormal spirit guides and he is like getting readings and he tells Elizabeth the date that Queen Mary is going to die. And apparently Queen Mary found out and threw Dee into jail for uh, attempting to kill Queen Mary with sorcery. Well, I'm surprised he even got jail time. I thought she would just kill him. You would think. And then it's so strange because she killed so many people, but she, for some reason, gave him full pardon in 1556 so he must have been a charmer or something or he had something to offer her i don't know Or maybe she was super scared of magic and didn't want to like push the limits too much it's possible it's very very possible anyway mary dies in 1558 and elizabeth is in line to be the next queen and she's like so d john must have been really accurate with his reading because he because elizabeth turns to john and was like you are my trusted advisor. You're going to be my, like, number two. I want answers from you all the time. So apparently oh, his wow. reading was pretty accurate, and he became the queen, Queen Elizabeth's trusted advisor, and he was, like, pertinent in the growth of the British Empire during this time. And he even, Elizabeth was like, I want to have my coronation of being queen, but you need to decide, read my horoscope and tell me when I should do it. So John D. read, did a reading for her and told her when she should have her coronation. Like, so she made all of her decisions based on what he read from the spirit guides. Even like some of the more basic sort of. Yeah. Questions. Like, I wouldn't think that there's a particular day that's best for a coronation. Apparently there was, and John knew it. And she even wrote a decree, like a royal decree, that said anything John D. did was white magic and that he had a gift from God. And so then 
he advised Queen Elizabeth for years, and he was also searching for the Philosopher's Stone, which is the magic bullet of the Golden Age of alchemy, which I just think is, like, his life is so cool. He evaded being killed by a murderous queen. Now he's the advisor to a queen, and he gets, like, money to go look for the Philosopher's Stone. That That's my dream. What a frickin' life. What a life. And so he helped create the British Intelligence Service. He signed secret letters to Elizabeth with two circles representing eyes and the number seven, which is what inspired Ian Fleming to give James Bond the code name 007. <gasps> Conspiracy, it's all connected. <laughs> but isn't that so cool? Like this guy, the creator That's James Bond was reading so about cool. John Dee's interactions with Queen Elizabeth in regards to the secret British intelligence and and was like, oh my gosh, I have to name James Bond 007. I think that's so cool. Isn't that amazing? You find inspiration in the strangest places. So fascinating. And time passes. John's like doing all this great stuff. And like literally like these famous artists are being commissioned to make artwork of him as the center of the pieces. Like you, you, you can go into museums and find million dollar pieces of art of John D as the center of the artwork. It's just, that's crazy. What an impact he had. I know. And no one knows of him, which I think is so fascinating. Well, now all of all of us do. Yeah. He lives on. He lives on through us. And so, again, John is just like, I don't have enough money for this. Like, I need, like, I just want more. I want more. He, it's a common thread in his life. He got bored of things very easily. So he buys a home in Mortlake, and he continues to serve as an advisor to Queen Mary he would read her horoscope. He would predict many future paths for her. He gave lessons to her in mystical interpretations of his own writings. And he made maps and navigational tools, which, like, British people in all of Britain used his maps to navigate the world. Like, he just was so smart and wise about everything. And apparently, um, one day, this man came into the – I imagine – I doubt he could, like, walk into the castle, but – this man comes to the queen and Queen Elizabeth and is like, I found this doll in a field and it was a puppet that looked just like Queen Elizabeth and it had pins stuck in it. So it was like a voodoo doll. And Whoa. John removed the spell, like counteracted it to protect Queen Elizabeth. And according to lore, he was also a spy for the queen during his travels. And by the 1580s, Dee was just like, this has been fun and all, but I still really want to find the universal language because his whole life he was fascinated by the ability to talk to spirits and learn how to create a unity and save humankind. And he thought that only, like similar to the Bible, only by talking to angels and spirits will he be able to find these answers. Mm -hmm. So that's when he fully devoted his life and his efforts into spirit communication by scrying. And he thought scrying would put him in touch with the angels who could help him gain previously unfound knowledge to benefit mankind. And in 1581, D was scrying when this magical experience happened. There suddenly glowed a dazzling light in the midst of which, in all his glory, this is like a quote from him. There suddenly glowed a dazzling light in the midst of which, in all his glory, stood the angel Uriel. Uriel handed him a crystal, which he describes as the most bright, most clear and glorious and big and the size of an egg. And Uriel informed him that he would be able to communicate with the spirits by gazing into the crystal. So like the crystal ball. 
And so after this experience, John is like, okay, this is definitely where I'm supposed to be. I'm on the right path. I'm going to use this crystal ball. I'm going to talk to the spirits, but I'm not that well educated on how to do it and how to do it correctly. So he sought out the help from other professional scryers and he finally encountered a man named Edward Kelly who was a well-known occultist and medium who was also a fugitive on the run because of forgery. And I mean, this time of, I feel like I must have lived at this time of the world because I just find it so exciting. And like, it just sounds like madness. You do kind of kind of gravitate towards history topics that have to do with the royals. Maybe you were in the royal family. I don't know. Or I just watched... Um, the favorite, the movie with Emma Stone, and maybe I was like a servant to a, to a royal. I don't think I would be a royal, but maybe a servant. You never know, because you could be a royal but have no power. Still, it doesn't That's mean true. you're in charge. That's true. That is Emma Stone's character in the favorite. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, Dee is like hanging with Edward and they're scrying all the time, and they're talking to all these spirits and they're writing down these messages from them. And Dee has, like, all of these journals, and some of them have been published, actually, recently. So, Or in 2003, a bunch of them were published. So people can read about his uh, interactions with the spirits and what conversations he was having with them. And he was also, like, intelligent. Like, he would doodle in the margins, and it he was, like, basically drawing inventions of things that had not been invented yet. He also starts to invest, like, fully into this lifestyle, like, by the way he presents himself so he starts dressing like uh a wizard and he starts to grow at his beard and like he's very kind of untamed i I imagine he looked like dumbledore a little bit he had like long Mm -hmm. robes and long beards he um preferred and then also his preferred method of scrying involved a smoky quartz and a disc of polished cannel coal i don't know what that is but i i imagine it's like coal rubbed on a disc so dark surface and so Dee and Kelly, they keep holding these spiritual conferences, as they call them. And Kelly, as far as Dee knew, was like the real deal. And he was like a direct access to the paranormal world. And all was well until um, Kelly one day went and did scrying on his own and talked to the angel Uriel, Uriel on his own. And he goes back to John and he's like, hey, um, John, so I just spoke to angel Uriel I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Anyway, he's like, I, I just spoke to like Angel Uriel and um, he instructed me that you and I must share everything, including our wives. Uh, <laughs> sorry, what? And and there's there were multiple reports. Some said that John was like down with it and they like signed a contract with his wife. And then there was another report where John was just like, uh, bye bye and left edward but in that conspiracy when in or in that version of the story there's a weird fluke of nine months after leaving kelly his wife gave birth to a child so is it his or is it edward kelly's we don't know well i mean she would have to be a willing participant in that as well right yeah you would hope but i don't think that even today is not always respected and he was in a position of power right or maybe it was a consensual thing and that she just told him to say that that was like her <laughs> idea to cover their tracks oh my gosh have fair. you have you watched abducted from or abducted in plain sight no 
Oh my God, Corinne, it's a Netflix documentary. It is the most insane thing I've ever heard. It's about a little girl's abduction and how this one man who was their neighbor just completely manipulated the mom, the dad, and the daughter in the most insane ways and like basically had affairs with all of them. Okay, I need to watch. It's insane. Anyway, John and Edward parted ways because... Either they were or they were in town with that arrangement. But apparently, I, I read this thing where um, John's wife never liked Edward Kelly and had always told John that, like, there was something off about him and that she didn't trust him at all and felt like he was inhabited by an evil spirit and practiced necro- necromancy. So, Ugh. yeah. So he doesn't seem like a great, great guy. John returns to Queen Elizabeth and he's on court on the court again and he is sent to go teach at this school in Manchester and while he's there uh John is asked to handle a bunch of exorcisms and uh consult on demonic possession of children and he apparently had had experience in that because when he was living with his mother his mother's nurse was possessed by a wicked spirit and so he removed that spirit from her. And so he was doing all of this stuff. And Queen Elizabeth died in 1603. And her successor was not a fan of the magic of magic and the occult. So John was forced to like retire to his home and kind of live in secrecy. Because if he did magic outwardly, he would have been arrested and possibly killed. Oh, and. Man. He continued to scry and he found new partners. He would speak to the angel Raphael and would hear the secrets of God and the universe. But nothing really ever turned into like, you know, nothing panned out. It was just readings or it was just messages that never really became much more than that. And he died in 1608 at the age of 81 and unfortunately there's no headstone to mark his grave and before he died i think he kind of um i think he got frustrated and he burnt a lot of his journals and so there aren't that many that remain but there were three i think specific ones that that were found and published in 2003 and all of his scrying tools, like his crystals, his mirror, and his amulet, have been preserved and are in the British Museum in London for people to see. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Do you journal at all? Not really. Do you? Um, well, no, but actually, so while I've been tidying my apartment, I did find a journal. Marissa had given it to me back in 2015 when we figure out I wanted to like get into writing and then I was also just like super depressed living away from all of our friends in Hollywood and she gave me a journal and encouraged me to use it and I found it oh my gosh Sabrina I I'm not usually one to laugh at myself but I was like crying I was laughing so hard and I was I was facetiming Marissa and I read her a bunch of the things that I wrote (laughs) And she was like, you don't know how to journal. She was like, you're just basically treating your journal like it's Twitter. So it's just basically these series of like stream of consciousness of just like little tiny random stupid blips. It's so funny. You know, there's no correct way to journal. You can do it however you want. And that is the number one rule of writing is that it doesn't need to be organized. Because like we were always 
advice to keep journals when for writing purposes in college and it's yeah. like just every morning you're just supposed to write anything that comes to your mind you should like draw doodle like it doesn't it shouldn't be organized at all like you should just do whatever comes to your mind well that is what i did and one day i'll read you some of the i stuff. can't wait we should do a whole episode where corinne reads us her journal i doubt anyone would find it interesting but i didn't <laughs> i would i wrote a total of like six entries over over the past like four years so it's not there's yeah. not much it's like any other habit. It takes a while to get into and like establish a routine of doing. I also think that I just feel this sort of like shame of looking back or like fear of looking back on something that's so embarrassing. So I think that that probably played into the the way I journaled and like it was nothing like overly personal. It was just sort of observations. I love it. That's great. Yeah. But I'm way more interested in reading your guys' journal. I think they're a little like he also wrote in the margins and they're a little crazy. But And I'm, I'm sure that were also a lot of philosophical messages which would confuse the heck out of us. I wouldn't understand it at all. All right. Do you have a listener story? Yes. I have – oh, my gosh. I spent – hours today trying to find two specific stories i found one finally but there's another one so if someone sent me a story with where their friend digitized and made like a short film about their ouija board experience please email me again because i went i'm losing my mind i need to find it this might be the same thing that happened to me remember when i read and responded to someone's email and i couldn't find it and then months later i got the same one and they were like no this is the first time i've ever emailed this to you i i need to find it because it was such a good story and scary which in the matrix it might be okay what do you have okay this is called story about a creepy mirror and it is from Alyssa. hi my name is Alyssa. i just started listening so i'm at the episode about bad omens i wanted to share my crazy experience with the garage sale mirror with a garage i wanted to share my crazy experience with a garage sale mirror i was garage sailing with a friend i love how it's like a it's an action I used to do that growing up. Do you like my neighborhood would have garage sales all on one day and we'd go around to everyone's house and like get a bunch of stuff? I guess we did. Our neighborhood would have like come together and do garage sales on like one particular day. Mm. It was my day to get all my Pokemon cards. Oh, you would. Oh, you would shop them. Mm-hmm. You were the shopper. I was a huge purger. Well, my family would do it as well, but I I wasn't going to man it as a child. I was like, all right, have fun. I'm going to go buy stuff. No, I did. I stood anxiously on the side watching my Barbies (laughs) all get picked up. I kept a few faves. I was garage sailing with a friend and a house we walked up to was offering a free love seat with any purchase due to it being the end of the day. The love seat was ugly and that's why no one was taking (laughs) the offer. But as a new homeowner, an old couch for my basement seemed like a good idea. The item I decided to buy with it, with the free couch, was a mirror. It was a large, heavy, old mirror with a light brown trimming, and it looked like bamboo. I really have been getting into painting furniture, so my new project was to paint this mirror. After I got the mirror home, it sat in my living room for a few days. The second it was in my house, I felt fear. It was constant fear at night that would keep me awake and make me want to leave all the lights on. Being scared in my home had never been an issue for me, and I am super in tune with iffy spirit feelings, so I just knew something was up and I didn't pursue it further. About a week after it being in my house and having terrible fear, I decided to paint it. Hey. I sat down and I spent a couple hours cleaning and painting it. Cleaning took the longest because I just could not get it clean. 
Every time I went over a spot, dirt would reappear. It's like the dark mirror. Like the palm print. Mm-hmm. Maybe, no, this was a bamboo. I was like, maybe she owned the dark mirror in the past. I don't, you, they could have changed the frame. They could have changed the frame. I finally got done painting and decided to hang it up on the wall, which is close to my kitchen that looks straight down the hallway. After hanging it up moderately high on the wall, I kept walking to different angles to see if I liked the placement. I did not like how it faced my hallway, but told myself I'd get over it. (laughs) I finally gave up and I sat on the couch across the room, but continued to stare at the mirror. I often talked to myself, so I said, if that mirror falls in the middle of the night, I will crap my pants. (laughs) (laughs) It was an odd idea because the mirror was so sturdy. And as I said that, I stood up and I began to walk towards the mirror. I was not even halfway from the mirror when it began to slide down the wall off the hook it was placed on. The sound it made as it scraped against my wall sounded like a deep growl. Literally, what felt like in slow motion, I lunged forward and was able to grab the mirror midair before it crashed down onto my record player and coffee table. I held this mirror for what felt like minutes, breathing heavy and panicking. How could I not have known that this mirror was the what was making me sick from lack of sleep and deep-rooted fear of 24-7? I personally believe something in the mirror was trying to get out and was trying to break its way out. <sighs> That's really creepy. Yeah. Like, it finally gets hung up and it's like, let me just smash myself down to get out. Oh, I do not like that at all. I put the mirror on the front porch and it stayed there until garbage day. <laughs> that night, I slept like I haven't slept in a century and I could feel the light feeling over my home return. I will never buy a used mirror again. Alyssa. I thought I thought at the end she was going to say, I have never used a mirror since then. <laughs> never, ever looked at myself again. Oh my gosh. That's scary. The, yeah, I mean... We say it all the time, antiques and things that you buy at garage sales. You never know why people are getting rid of things and what is attached to them. I know, and it's so easy to blame antiques and to target them. But then again, I'm brought back to that one listener story that we had where it was a teddy bear, a brand new teddy bear from Costco. Mm-hmm. So that was mine. I guess it's always a risk no matter what you get. Yep. That was the teddy but, bear I had. Yes. I'm I'm glad nothing more happened and she was able to be like, you know what? This is gonna this has to go and that she caught it before it could break. Right. She I feel like she did all the right things. She did. She took all the necessary steps. Right. You have to go through all the logical steps. Like if something in energy changes in your home, you have to ask yourself, what's new? Uh am I on my period? Am I having a rough time in life? Or is there a haunted object in my home? That's the those are the steps you go through. Those are you should write a book on it. Like <laughs> Marie Kondo did with tidying. It's the steps to recognizing energy changes and haunted artifacts in your home. I'm gonna call it <laughs> Am I on my period? Question mark. Am I on my period? <laughs> oh, that's actually a great book title for um like a a book for children going through puberty. So is Big Mouth. Big Mouth is a great thing for people going through puberty. I wish I had it as a child. Okay, I have a story. Okay. This is from Matt. Hello, ladies. My name is Matt, and I am from Orlando, Florida. I listen to your podcast all the time on my way to school just to pass the time because I hate driving. So thank you for that. I remember one of the episodes y'all talked about mirrors and how they act as portals to the other side. 
So about two years ago, I was dating this girl and nothing seemed abnormal. And for about a year of dating her, everything was going fine. But one day we were in her room and she was sleeping basically on top of me after a long day of work. I stayed up watching Kitchen Nightmares for a while and eventually I fell asleep for a short period of time. And when I awoke, she was still asleep on top of me. As I opened my eyes, a shadow figure stood over us on the bed staring at us as it reached out its misty hand towards her. I quickly jumped up, and as soon as I did, the figure quickly shot back into the mirror, which was right next to her bed. As my girlfriend woke up, she stared at me and asked me what happened, and I was just standing there frozen in fear. I explained to her what happened, and she says that figure has been following her for her whole life, which I thought was terrifying. Weeks passed without seeing the figure, but I noticed a change in her attitude as more aggressive, and she got angry, and it seemed like she was becoming a different person. Days went by and again, laying in bed, I saw the figure once again emerge out of the mirror and stare at me at the foot of the bed. I felt fear and anger coming from the shadow, and me being the person I am, I stood up, and this figure was 6'7", with long hands, and I'm at a staggering 5'8", having a staring contest with this shadow figure. It was probably not the best idea, but I did it, so anyway, (laughs) once I took a step towards the figure, it quickly shot back to the mirror. As I was standing up, my girlfriend woke up and again asked what happened. So I explained to her. And as I was explaining it, she got very spacey and glossy-eyed. And I quickly woke her up out of the trance. I asked her about the mirror and how she got it. And she explained to me that her parents found it in in an estate sale before she was born. I quickly told her she had to get rid of it because something something evil was in it. And she refused. After all this, I ended the relationship as the stress was getting too much and it was building up and it was messing with the relationship. I I believe she still has the mirror, which still shocks me to this day. I hope you enjoy my story. See you all on the other side. Sincerely, Matt. She should watch Tidying Up because maybe she will learn to disassociate her feelings of like guilt with her item and she'll be able to let go of that negative mirror and create harmony in her life i wish it was that easy but it almost sounds like that is uh someone else needs to remove that mirror for her because she will not actively make that decision because whatever figure shadow figure entity is inside that mirror has control over her or the ability to control her yeah it's also interesting that it's almost like that the shadow figure was trying to like square up with matt yeah but matt wouldn't stand down which i think is really cool and badass because i could never do that find yourself a man who will stand up to a shadow person (laughs) for you or a lady ladies can yeah stand up to find them yourself of someone you, you know what else is interesting it's just the idea that it's shooting back into the mirror it reminds me of a turtle like returning to its shell <laughs> oh that's interesting it makes it less scary yeah it's kind of like okay i'm out here and i'm peacocking but i can't be out here for very long i think the message was yeah. sent and now i'm gonna go hide again it's so interesting to me too because it reminds me of that that woman who is trying to have a baby with a ghost and how remember the first time like, she never saw the entity, but then her boyfriend or fiancé or whatever saw it. It kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of that, where it's like, she knows that there's this figure following her, and it clearly has the ability to, tr- like, lull her into a trance and maybe take over her. Who knows? But it started showing itself to her boyfriend, to Matt, probably because he was, like, around for a year and was like, no, 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 we don't want this guy. This guy is going to be trouble for both of us. And I'm yeah. going to get rid of him. It's like a jealousy thing. 
man oh man breakups are tough but it's it wasn't just a breakup with her it was a breakup with the shadow person and this (laughs) mirror so that's probably a good thing talk about someone who has baggage well if you guys have looked into a haunted mirror and maybe gotten sucked into another portal or maybe just know of a haunted mirror um or have tried scrying yourself uh, let us know because we want to hear about it. Email us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have Facebook. You can follow us on all of those. You can uh, request to join our Facebook group. There's just two questions you have to answer, and our moderators are always actively accepting people who fill out those questions and just ensuring that our community is a positive one and accepting one. We want respectful people and a place where everyone can feel safe to share their experiences we also have a po box and you know corinne and i are thrilled when we get things if you guys want to send us anything uh, our po box is just write out two girls one ghost podcast to 25 new chardon street c-h-a-r-d-o-n street po box 5619 Boston, Massachusetts, 02114. Yeah, you don't have to remember that. It's on the website. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't remember it. I had to look it up on our website in order to tell you. I don't know where it is. I just know how to walk there. So, (laughs) But yeah, if you guys go to like haunted locations and haunted tours, I mean, maybe send us a postcard. Think of us. But don't make sure they're not haunted. Make sure they're not haunted. Uh, we have a variety of ways to support us as well. We have Patreon where you can donate and there are a variety of tiers with different perks that come with them. And one of the perks similar to today is picking a topic. Mm-hmm. So that is why Frankie got to choose our episode today. Mm-hmm. And then we also, obviously, you can rate and review us on iTunes. That's super awesome to do. Uh, you it. can you can buy merch. And represent it. And if you're on a TV show, maybe you can wear wear it like Rich held our coffee mug. Did we start reaching out to celebrities? Excuse me. Where's <laughs> yeah, your well, TGOG now we merch? Yeah. Also, just side note, when I was out in California, our friend Lauren called TGOG. She called it T-Gog. Yeah, I call it T-Gog. Which I'd never heard before. I call it T-Gog. That was new to me. That's a little thing that you guys have going out there. Yeah, it's an L.A. thing. It's a West Coast thing. So L.A. T-Gog just has to be different. Do you listen to T-Gog? Are you on the other side? Oh, and you guys can support us by supporting our sponsors. And so for today, one of our sponsors was Joybird. And if you want to give it a try, go to joybird.com forward slash T-G-O-G and receive an exclusive offer of 25% off your first order when you use the code T-G-O-G. And you could take advantage of HelloFresh's special offer for 2019. You can get $80 off of your first month by going to HelloFresh.com forward slash TGOG80 and enter promo code TGOG80. And to get 25% off your purchase of $100 or more at ModCloth, go to ModCloth.com and enter code GHOST at checkout. And this offer is valid for one-time use only and expires on April 7th, 2019. And we will see you, see you on, on the, the other, other side. side. Very spooky.